Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. Well, every Friday afternoon is part of our Ask Me Anything series. We put your questions to people from really interesting backgrounds or with maybe an unusual job. And today is one of uh, my own personal favourites, one of the ones that I was dying to find a little bit more about. And that is the work of uh, an airline pilot, Tony Moran from Aer Lingus. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Andrea. How are you? Listeners. Great. Lovely to be in the studio. How did you get into this? Was it a, was it a childhood dream? Absolutely. Uh, my dad worked on the ground for Aer Lingus, so I was right. raised with the airport and Aer Lingus. So as a kid, it was the old days when security wasn't so much of an issue. I was allowed to go on the ramp. We toured all the airplanes when my dad was working shift there. And I just, I was just fascinated with airplanes as, as a kid. Yeah. And I'm, I still am fascinated with airplanes yeah. all those years still there. later. Um, we want to hear listeners' questions though for Tony today. So you can send send me in a voice note. It's 087-1400-106 or if you wanted to send in a WhatsApp message, you can do that to the same number and we'll fly through them with Tony Moore in here. Uh, first of all, we have a question from Paul today. So yeah, I'm just curious when uh, pilots are flying like during <clears throat> the week, do they have to fly uh, a certain number of hours per day or uh, is it a set number of hours per week or how does that work? Uh, well, what I'd say to that is we do have set uh, work patterns and um, we're actually legally governed as well by EASA, the European Agency involving Aviation. So we can only fly X amount of time. Um, as in my company, Aer Lingus, if you're a short haul pilot, we operate a five days on, three days off pattern. You can op- operate up to 12 hours within that day. It, it, it's rare that it happens, but uh, they can be quite long days. And then it's, it's a set pattern. Uh, I fly transatlantic routes, so I'm on the long haul. Uh, we get a monthly roster. We do a trip, uh, usually a three-day trip where you're in flyover, 24 hours off in the States, come home, and then we get a minimum of two to three days off, depending. If we're flying to the West Coast, we get four, and that's kind of the pattern that we do. We are limited to fly, actually, flight hours of 900 hours a year, but that doesn't include all our duty hours. That's the actual physical flying end of it. So we're limited to that. But um, overall, it's it's quite, a, it's quite a good set pattern, and you can, yeah. particularly on the European operation, you can organise your life around what, it. With the transatlantic, and I'm thinking if you're going to the, you know, New York, is what, sure. six hours or so? Is yeah, I just roughly? came back from New York, actually, yesterday. Did you? Uh, Right. Seven hours and you're over. here and you're trying your day Absolutely off. Absolutely, you're very good. I love being in meeting you. Yeah, um, but it's seven hours over. It's about six home, depending yeah. on the, the jet stream activity. So. And but then it's twenty four. Sorry, you can fly for twelve hours in that day. Yeah, up to thirteen hours up within to... that day. There's delays, bits and pieces, yeah, because um, we can be delayed depending on weather and other factors. And then when you get to the states, you get a minimum usually of about twenty four hours off there. It's not long in New York, Tony. It's that's long enough. You can you can, um, <laughs> you can do loads yeah, my, of damage. My, my, actually, my sister travelled with me on this trip, so she did a lot of damage in, in uh, Macy's. Yeah, so, I imagine. Uh, we, we got we got we blitzed New York for twenty four hours. So we uh, and it's a wonderful Amazing. place at Christmas. Another question from Brian Tony. Hi, I just had a question there for the pilot. Um, I was just wondering, is there any companies in Ireland that take on say trainee pilots and train them up? Um, over a number of years, whatever, kind of like an apprenticeship or whatever, I wouldn't know what it's called, but just wondering, is there anything like that going on? Um, and is there a shortage of pilots? Um, is there, you know, are, are they are they needed as much as, say, like lorry drivers or something like that? Cheers. Uh, well, what I'd say to you, Erlingus to the credit, operate what they call a future pilot programme. So that is a cadet programme. So what they do is you go through a series of uh, interviews, assessments, and uh, what they'll do at the end of it, if, if they judge it to be um, somebody who they, they want, they'll actually put you through a flight training programme. And it's somewhere nice and warm. It's in Jerez in Spain, just south of Seville. 
So you're in there for about 14 months, you come back and then you get what they call a rating on an aircraft so you learn how to fly, the, in this case, the Airbus A320. So uh, they do and they will sponsor you to that. Um, the other way of doing it is to do it yourself, which is... It's very expensive though, wasn't it? It is very expensive. It's over €100,000 to do it and it's upfront costs as well. People do it kind of bit by bit, but a lot of people just go take the loan out, go to a flight school and then qualify and then hope to get employed by one of the airlines after they qualify. Do you make it back if you do it that way though? You do. You do make it back. It takes a while, but you do yeah. make it back. Um, some airlines, depending, will actually facilitate a loan for you. Um, that's kind of like a semi-sponsorship programme. Yeah, uh, you're sort of tied to them then probably. You but are, sure, you're you probably are. Yeah. want the job and the commitment. You of it do. And, yeah. and I have to say, Aer Lingus, along with a number of other kind of tend to be more established carriers, do offer cadet programmes. So British Airways mm -hmm. do it as well and other airlines around. So it's becoming more popular even with the, the lower cost carriers because um, they're finding it more difficult to get pilots yeah. as that, that, that listener was asking. So so if you, if somebody's listening today and they're thinking, oh, I'd love to, you know, train as a pilot, um, you can actually do it, even Aer Lingus operate the cadet ship programme that yep. you, you so you don't have the upfront cost you they train you and then you give whatever years yep, of service a, back or something It's a brilliant way of doing it, yeah. um, and it because a lot of people like it's a lot of money a lot of people can't afford to do it uh, I mean when I was training 30 years ago it was cheaper and you know it was sort of you know we kind of did it bit by bit and mm. I was able to but it's kind of harder to do it these days that way uh, it is possible, of course, but it's just very okay. expensive with upfront costs. So it's a great way of actually getting into the industry without that upfront cost. And Aer Lingus would do a really good job training it up and um, getting it online as a pilot. Brilliant. Another voice note from Anne. Uh, yeah, my question is to pilots, how do they cope with the different time zones, the different jet lag scenarios that they would in uh, encounter if they're doing, say, global or international flights? Just in terms of how they manage their self-care, their body, their head, going from, you know, going to the States forward, going to India back. How do they manage their, you know, their headspace and jet lag and time zones? Good question. Very good question. Uh, I'm cur currently suffering from jet lag because um, yeah. I came back. Uh, but you just, you kind of get used to it. Uh, people have different ways of managing it. Some people, when they go over to the States, will stay on Irish time. So they'll go to bed early, get up early and then maybe have a nap in the afternoon before pick up before we go back flying. I tend to stay up as late. I'm a bit of a, a night owl so I right. tend to stay up as late and as I possibly can. And you're in New York. Can. You and we're in New for? York as well. I know you can't go to bed too early. But uh, there's just different ways of doing it. On long flights, we have three pilots so we get, we get to have a rest on board the aircraft. We have a rest area. Uh, my poor sister, I mean, we just fly back and forth to the States. So we're just dealing with the jet lag of North mm. America. My sister flies for Virgin Atlantic and she goes back and forth to India, China, then goes forward to right. America. She, I don't know how she manages and she's three kids at home. But uh, it's just trying to get as much rest in between as possible. And then with jet lag, I'm, I'm sure you, maybe most people have experienced at some point. I mean, you know, you're, you're trying to wonder where the remote control of a TV is and it's in your fridge. So you do, I mean, you, you well, can't do complex things yeah, when they get home. There was a WhatsApp, all right, from another listener on the long haul flights. Do you get a break? So so you do on we the do, big transatlantic? Yep, for ourselves and our wonderful cabin crew do. Um, uh, they have a little below deck rest area. We have a uh, rest area just behind the cockpit. So there's three pilots and then that's just facilitate. We all, we, will, we all get a good break and have a little snooze. Listen, I know you probably don't want me to, to mention this, but I have been glued to Hijack. You know the series okay, on Apple I, I TV. I actually haven't seen Having it, maybe no, don't watch no, it actually, no. right? But what I learned from Hijack is that is how much of the flight is actually an autopilot? Um, like 90, 90 to 95% of the flight. Just so just Google Maps and that's it. Google Maps, <laughs> that's go. it. There's a lot of work behind uh, flying in the autopilot. <laughs> so the, the first bit of the flight, of course, we pro we'll get on board, we'll program the, the flight computer. 
Um, so that actually takes us from, say, Dublin to New York, for instance. Yeah. Um, that takes about 20, 25 minutes. We do our briefings. We've all charts to go through. Um, and once we get airborne, once we, we take off manually, and then we'll plug the autopilot in usually a few minutes after takeoff. And then it stays engaged until we, we're on finals, say, in, in New York mm. and disconnected maybe three or four minutes before landing. So we, we land generally manually. So we take off manually and land manually. The rest of the time we use the autopilot, but we manipulate the autopilot as well. So uh, air traffic control will give us instructions. Um, so we're actually flying the aircraft through the autopilot. It's just a better way of doing it. Your life is in the hands, really, of air traffic control, is it? Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, they, they do an excellent job and they're under a lot of pressure. I know, thank um, you. you know, Dublin on a bad, you know, on a, on a bad windy day, as well as us being, you know, flying and, and mm. in challenging, they're also challenged as well. And then the likes of huge airports like Chicago, Los Angeles, like they, they're, they're busy people, you know, and, uh, they expect you when they give you an instruction, they expect you to obey it pretty much pronto. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to get somebody around. from air traffic control in someday yeah. for asking it's anything. It's a fascinating to, job as yeah. well, actually. You should do if you can. Oh, it's seven fourteen hundred one oh six is the WhatsApp number if you have a question for Tony. Uh, Simona has this one. Um, hi, I have a question for Pilot Tony. Um, I haven't flown since two thousand and fourteen, um, following bad turbulence on a flight back from London into Dublin. Um, so I'm an Italian living in Ireland, so that's a bit of a predicament for me. Um, um, so basically, since I've had to take ferries and, and drive home, and I was just wondering if um, you know what's the best advice she can give me to maybe spark some hope that I'll ever fly again. Thanks. I'm sorry it's to hear that. It, 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 yeah. is, it actually is a common enough problem. People are very scared of turbulence in particular. Uh, we do our very best. Uh, we, have, we get uh, meteorological charts uh, and we do our best to avoid turbulence. Uh, but sometimes it just comes upon us and we have to go through it. Uh, so what we normally do is we'll uh, either try and get a different level uh, that we're currently flying at to, to make sometimes a higher or lower level can help with turbulence. We tend to slope as well. But I just want to say the aircraft are incredibly strong. They, they take an amazing amount of punishment in terms of turbulence. Not that it happens very often. Um, one little tip I'd say for people who are a little bit scared of turbulence is not to sit at the back of the aircraft. The back of the aircraft tends to get more turbulent oh, really? than over Up the wings the or towards the front. So I would say, please get back flying again. I know it's quite difficult yeah. for living in Italy. Airplanes are amazing. We do our very best to mitigate any issues with, with turbulence and sit towards the front of the aircraft. But just know the airplanes are Good incredibly well designed. Okay. Funny, another message on that. Do things go wrong all the time when pastors just aren't aware? Um, no, thankfully they don't. With the modern aircraft, they're, they're incredibly well looked after and maintained and we're very well trained, I'm glad to say. So no, it generally doesn't... It, it, Things that tend to go wrong tend to be operational, nothing to the actual technical side. Very small technical problems, mm. but tends to be things like weather delays or air traffic control delays or yeah, issues. So you know, somebody like else, that. James here must be watching uh, Hijack as well. He's wondering how hard would it be in an emergency for a passenger to land a plane? Uh, I think James May did it a few years ago on one of his shows where he landed an A330. That's the aircraft I fly. Um, you can be talked down to, you can actually fly through the autopilot. It is, it, it's not easy, but if you had the right person and a very good instructor, you could uh, do it. I think Let's James may actually did never do it. No, have I to find not. out, right? That's why there's two pilots yeah. on board. Uh, what route does every pilot want to be rostered on? Uh, everybody's their different favourites. Some people absolutely love New York. Uh, some people love the West Coast, like California. I'm a big California fan. So I tend to request uh, San Francisco is m- one of my favourite routes. And it's a beautiful arrival in right over the city in the Golden Gate Bridge. So it's, it's a city right. I love. And then if you are if you want a bit of sunshine in the winter, uh, Miami's a good place to go. So really? I tend to bid my I don't tend to get them much, but I do bid them. Yeah. Is that how it works? You, you have to you bid, bid for your route? Yeah. You can bid to be home early. You can bid, bid to be home late. There's a little bit of flexibility in the roster and you can bid particular routes that you like. Yeah. So 
have you? Would you work most Christmas days then? Uh, luckily, this year the um, roster gods have been very kind to me, so I actually got the period around Christmas off. But you can work for Christmas, absolutely. We have our uh, uh, crew that will be in the states for Christmas this year. They tend to volunteer for it, but sometimes they they're um, co opted onto okay. it. Another one from Claire. Hi, Andrea. Um, I just have a small question there for your pilot about. Um, the prep work that they have to do before they fly a plane. So I often notice them filling in paperwork, charts. Is there any maths involved in being a pilot or calculations that they have to do or is it all computerised? I love the show. Thank you very much. Great question, yeah. Um, yeah, we come in about an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes before the flight. So we do a lot of prep work. Um, we get it on our iPads before we get to work as well. So we have to go through weather, the flight plans itself, how much fuel we need. And then we have notices about, about the airports we fly into, th- things that are working or not working. So there's quite a bit of prep work. And then we get on board the airplane about 40 minutes before departure. And then we'll go through um, the flight prep there and program the box and go through all our briefings yeah. a bit. So there's quite a bit of work involved before we even get the aircraft moving. And just finally, Tony, for all of the people out there, including myself, wondering you hear these great stories about people who just land up to the, the uh, check-in desk and they say it's their birthday or anniversary and they sure, get all these sure. upgrades does it work is there a secret code word or anything uh, there is not a secret code work but you know cabin crew are very if we find out somebody's celebrating anniversary or for whatever different reasons they'll, they'll do their best to make sure everyone that, here listening to the show will be landing out to the airport we do, we do our best customer service experience possible <laughs> <laughs> may not be in a big seat but yeah. we'll, we'll certainly make a bit of a I once met um, an air steward actually at Haldis a couple of months ago who told me the key is bring Bring sweets, sweets for the for um, the. Um, I couldn't possibly comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is a sweet tooth. Tony Moore and pilot with Air Lingus. Tony, thanks a million Thank for you, joining Andrea. us today on the program. Lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan, weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.